Hello, good people. As discussed last episode, we did a two-parter, and here's the second of those parts. Here's us discussing the 10 worst horror films. Cheers. Welcome, everyone, to this bonus episode for the month of December 2019. My name is Paul, and I'm Sans Wayne today, because once again, we're talking horror and once again, as is appropriate for the last month or so, we're talking best of the decade. Actually, no, we're not. We're talking worst of the decade. And this is a bit of a sequel to a bonus episode a couple of months back where Sam from the Movie Reviews and 20 Qs podcast joined me to count down the best of horror. So we thought, let's flip it on its head if you listen to that episode. And now we're doing the worst 10 horror films of the 2010s. Sam, welcome to the Pain Fest. Oh, yes. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Hello, listeners of the Countdown Podcast. I, I can't wait, Paul. I can't wait for this. I've been trying to give myself constipation all week <laughs> so I can take some massive shits on these films. <laughs> I can't fucking wait. Yeah, there is some absolute terrible film. You know this. If you're a horror film fan and you listen to this, or if you're not a horror film fan and you laugh at those of us who put ourselves through the ringer time and again, <laughs> trying to find that really classic horror film and they exist you know listen to that best 10 of the decade episode a couple months back if, if you're doubtful about that but uh generally speaking more often than not i'm disappointed when i walk out of a horror film which i can't decide that makes us horror film fans dumb or just hardy adventurous types who are never prepared to give up it's it's almost like being a Star Wars fan. Like you you get one or two good films, and then the other ones are complete garbage, and you just fucking rant and rave about how shit they are. You, you still go and watch them all the time. Yeah, it's, it's, that's what the feeling is like. That is, that, um, is, that it, is correct. And it's funny, like I sort of miss the days because, like, oh, I'm, I've been a horror fan since a young child, sort of thing. It, which probably explains quite a lot about how, who I am, but but I mean I'm, I miss the days of going down to the video shop, getting out seven horror films, and then going home and watching all of them. Like like you said, one of them's good, one of them's like a bona fide classic. That you're like, holy fuck, that was amazing. Whereas the other six were shit, and you never would have known because you know this is pre-internet, this is pre-having it, all that information in your hand. You're just rolling the dice and seeing what happens. It's an interesting thing you describe there because we're predisposed as human beings to be aware of or focused on the negatives like it takes basic research says five positive to equal one negative for the for the average person right (laughs) except horror film fans i think it's flipped around backwards i think we've rewired our brains it takes one positive basically we'll focus on the one positive among the six shitty films so yeah yay us for beating evolution or you know maybe that means we're all (laughs) destined to die in horrible ways because we're not paying attention to what might kill us but anyway sam look i'm pretty sure people know you well enough on our show now but just in case Give us a quick spiel on movie reviews and 20 Qs, and then uh, we'll talk at the end about how the people can find you. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. so movie reviews and 20 Qs does exactly what the title says. We take a movie, we ask 20 questions about it, we throw 10 questions at it at the start that can be applied to any que- uh, sort of movie or whatever. Then we have three personal questions that we've like sort of thought of when we were watching the movie that we want explained. And then, yeah, we sort of finish on a listener question or one of our Patreon questions. And yeah, basically we try and have fun with it. Rather than go film snobbery or pretentious, we sort of like ask really base level humor type questions about it. Like what quote from this film be the worst to hear after sex? Or, you know, what would the porn parody for this film be? What flavor pizza is this movie? We try and analyze the movie from a different perspective. And that's that's basically what we do. The hard hitting, most important questions that everyone asks <laughs> after seeing a film. That's what movie reviews and 20 Qs covers. No, it's, it's a fantastic show. Very, very funny. And I implore you, if you haven't already, do check it out. And you get a vibe of what Sam's like. Minus some of his crazy co-hosts and his lovely wife, who doesn't fall into the crazy category, except when it comes to hating Basic Instinct. That's correct, yes. yes. <laughs> My heart and soul died that day. <laughs> it, was, it was a very fun time recording, though. All right, Sam. So this is the 10 worst from 2010 all the way up to now, which is virtually the end of the decade. In fact, this will probably come out right around Christmas slash New Year. So we'll be right there. I can't see anything. I don't think there's a horror release in the, for recording early in December. Don't think there's a horror release on the agenda for the next month. So we're pretty safe when we say these are the definitive lists. Why don't you take us away then, Sam, with your number 10 worst horror film of the decade. Now, before we get into that, I thought I'd just give a little bit of a spiel about... Yeah, but go through the criteria a little bit. Yeah, I mean, me and you sort of had a bit of a back and forth about this. We wanted to make it accessible to people, so we've gone for films that have either got a budget over $5 million that, you know, maybe failed abysmally, or took in over $5 million internationally at the box office. We want these films to be, you know, recognisable. Yeah. And... The other, the other thing I did too is when I started going through these, like it's very easy just to pick apart a couple of sequels to films that have long lost their luster. So I tried to dumb that down a bit. I also I checked didn't. in a couple. I didn't. You did it? <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. There's a couple in here that are like, what the fuck was that? But, there, but there's also like, I try to keep this pure horror. So for instance, my number 10 would probably be my number one. 
But because it's not a pure horror film, I've put it at number 10, just to get out of the way. I've got a couple of controversial ones in there that other people liked that I thought was fucking abysmal. So, All right. yeah, oh, that, nice. that's been my criteria. Okay, yeah, I, and that's obviously how I buy to buy it as well. So that $5 million either take at the box office or at least it had a $5 million budget and then flopped. So we're not picking on those Z-grade ones that have gone straight to Netflix. I'm looking at you, American Poltergeist. But uh, <laughs> we are picking on those ones that, generally speaking, were at the box office and you had a chance to go and see it on the big screen. And in several of these cases, for me, I walked out of said cinema being angry at the world. So, yeah. <laughs> Fair All right. enough, mate. Fair enough. Now, now, back to my intro and over to you, number 10. So number 10, as I mentioned, it's not a pure horror film. It's supposedly a comedy, but I would not even fucking go as far as to say that, although it is horrific when you watch it. I'm, of course, talking about Scary Movie 5. Never seen it. Don't think I've ever seen a scary movie, so take it away. Do tell us why. Okay, now Scary Movie, the first Scary Movie... It's got a little bit of a charm. It's very base humor. It's very, you know, like infantile. It's just like me. It's like, you know, I can get onto that. I can latch onto that and laugh at it and stuff like that. By the time they get to Scary Movie 5, which I think came out in 2013, it starts off with Lindsay Lohan and Charlie Sheen making a sex tape that turns into paranormal activity. You've got Snoop Dogg in there. It's just, I don't even know where to, like, where to go on this. It's got that Simon Rex guy who's famous for all the fuck all. It's, there's <laughs> literally nothing redeemable about this film. I don't know why I watched it. Morbid curiosity, probably. I knew it was going to be bad. Still watched it. It's horrendous. All right. I will take your word for it. Um, I think I worked, learned my lesson very early on in terms of I just saw that scary movie. I went, nope, nope. I'm done with those kind of <laughs> films. And I can't believe we got five. Is that the last one? Or is there any more? It was. And I think the funny part about it was Scary Movie 4 came out in like 2006. And then Scary Movie 5 came out in 2013. So they, they clearly realized it was a fucking dead duck, but they've gone with it anyway. They decided to make the film anyway. I, I don't know why. Don't know why. I'm all money, obviously, but yeah, it's a business. Yeah, yeah okay. I guess they, they'd mined enough ideas and finally finally got there in the end. But all right, good choice, I guess, to kick it off. And as you said, I guess appropriate not to be too high on list, given it's supposed to be a comedy, I guess. Exactly. With horror yeah. bits in between. My number 10 is a legacy sequel. Legacy sequels piece of shit and <laughs> I know I, I want to try and steer away from just the hyperbolic statements to summarise and try and really get down to the nitty gritty about why these films suck so hard but I'm basically talking about the third film in the American Ring series Rings from 2017 Ooh, yeah, have you seen choice. this piece of shit Sam? I'm, I'm going to start off the podcast by mentioning as well, I've got a lot of DNFs, I've got a lot of did not finishes That's right, uh, for yeah. a lot of these horror films. You know, I'm a, I'm a very important man, where I like to think I am, and there's some <laughs> movies that if I'm halfway through, I'm like, I'm not fucking doing this. I can't put myself through this. There's got to be something else out there better to watch. This is one of those films. Yeah, it basically set, I don't know how many years after, this Ring, Ring 2 was, was terrible, just to be clear, and I thought, and yeah. everyone thought it had killed whatever franchise was kicking off, but then... Director F. Javier Gutierrez and a bunch of people wrote this sequel based on another novel in that sort of universe, this uh, Samara running rampant universe. And uh, it's a college professor played by the dude from uh, Big Bang Theory, Johnny Galecki. He's found the tapes and is trying to work out a way to, to study it as well as break the, the curse. And a couple of undergrads stumble upon this and get embroiled in it. And it's like, there's nothing frightening about it. <laughs> Yes, you watch the videotape, you're cursed, and Samara somehow kills you. She's a kind of freaky enough looking, but by 2017, we've seen now for almost two decades the pale-faced, creepy little girl with really long jet black hair covering her face. Like, it's just, it's so old hat and trite by now. It's not frightening. And the characters are all idiots. They do stupid thing after stupid thing. And... <laughs> <laughs> and the ending is one of the most ridiculous sort of jump. The sh- if it hadn't already, if it wasn't already so terrible, which by the way has a Rotten Tomatoes rating of eight percent, so it gives you some kind of idea. It's it just basically jettisons everything that's come before it and completely changes things. And what a bunch of shit! Also, of course, setting up for another sequel, which thankfully has not materialised. So, on a budget of twenty five million, <laughs> it made eighty three million. So we could still see another Rings film one day. I know what I won't be doing, and that is ever watching it. So. I'm done. I'm done with this whole series. Fair enough, mate. Fair enough. All right. Over to you. 
Yeah, over to me, my number nine. Now, this was a film that I believe cost $8 million to make. I've got two of these on my list, I've just realised, which are films that were released onto Netflix and never really got a wide release. Well, okay. I think this one may have. Yep, it took home about $53,000 at the box office. Um, a lot of people like this film. This is one of the first of my controversial opinions. Uh, and the director, Anna Lily Amanpour, I loved her debut film, A Girl Walks Home at Night, but this is her oh, yeah. follow-up effort, The Bad Batch. Hated it. Uh, I've seen it there on Netflix, yep. Could not stand this film. I mean, you've got a couple of fan favourites in there, like Jason Momoa and Keanu Reeves. The whole idea of the film is sort of post-apocalyptic wasteland, where this girl that's supposedly done bad stuff gets dumped out into the Texas sort of desert, best way to describe it, where she's mutilated, had an arm and leg cut off, and left to fend for her own. And it's just an incoherent mess. It's be- oh, like, oh, oh, no way. I'll, go, I'll dial it back a bit and give it compliments. It, it is very well <laughs> shot. They use colour very well. It's very, um, you know, like, just beautifully shot. And there's a couple of images in it that stay with you. But the story is just so incoherent. You know, you're, you're supposed to be following these narratives. You quickly lose interest in them and any of the characters in this. Yeah, it was just, just an abysmal fail for me. Okay, well, I'm glad. Again, I've steered clear of that one. I have heard very poor reviews of it. So, And I've never even seen A Girl Walks Home at Night, or if, that, if that's what it's called. Yep, that's that's Iranian vampire film. It's actually really good. It's okay. um, very very low budget, but very well um, very well executed. Okay, all right. Well, thank you for that one. I guess it's hard to have a discussion when I haven't seen it. But uh, I wonder if you've seen My Number Nine, which is also from 2017, which is clearly a stellar year in horror. This one is called The Bye Bye Man. <laughs> no, I can't say I have. All right, the Bye Bye Man is. It was made for about seven and a half million. Took in twenty six point seven million. It's written by uh, Survivor alum Jonathan Penner. I don't know if you ever watched Survivor in America, but <laughs> he uh, he wrote a film in the nineties called The Last Supper, which was Cameron Diaz's first, uh, and he was starred in that film too. Cameron Diaz's first uh, outing or second outing after The Mask, I think. Holy shit. So, you know, and he just disappeared off off the face of the earth, at least in terms of Hollywood releases, and appeared on Survivor a couple of times instead. So I thought, oh, well, let's check this out. And it basically follows this idea that there's this boogeyman that if you say his name to anybody, that boogeyman will now haunt that person and ultimately kill them. So the tagline <laughs> is, don't think it, don't say it, don't think it, don't say it. It's like the stupidest conceit ever because if that really were the case, pretty sure the entire world would be killed ultimately because, you know, don't think of a pink elephant, what the hell's going to happen, right? Yeah, yeah. There's an opening lengthy one shot with uh, Lee Winnell who'll pop up in any horror-related thing at the moment or at least back then uh, <laughs> and you know, make a little bit of a buck and disappear. And it's a great little one shot that sort of follows a, a bit of a murder spree that he commits uh, and then that's set sort of 30 years ago or whatever it is. Fast forward to the present. And that's the end of all the entertaining elements of this film because after that it becomes this terrible, makes no sense, wooden acting, zero scares and a script which just should have been rejected straight off the bat but somehow got through the keeper from Jonathan Penner and I think it's directed by his wife, this film, uh, Stacey Title. It's god-awful garbage and the thankfully it was so poorly received even though it made a bit of money. I, I think that's the end of this. We won't see a Bye Bye Man 2. It's just so terrible. I'll say no more about it. That's my number nine, <laughs> the bye-bye man. Fair enough. I will steer very well clear of that one. Please uh, do. My number eight is also a bit controversial because a lot of people liked this film or maybe liked the idea of it. And I'll give it to it as one of the most original ideas that we've had in the last 10 years, aside from maybe Get Out. I'm talking about 2013's The Purge and then the sequels that followed it. Oh, all the purges. Oh, this is well, controversial. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick on the first one because the first one had such a great and novel idea. You know, all crimes legal, all this other stuff. Like, I, like, as much as I love horror, I love these sort of like dystopian future thriller type things where they've taken this really fucked up concept and they're trying to say stuff about society and, you know, it's got this sort of firm undercurrents and stuff like that. It could have been that. It could have been this great film that sort of looks at society and analyzes what the idea of crime is and, you know, like the rich and poor and the divide between them and stuff like that. Instead, it just devolves into this like home invasion movie. You've got this great idea and you just strip it from that. And then sure enough, like, like we're probably going to mention a hundred times on this podcast, the characters start making stupid decisions. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, people start dying unnecessarily. It just becomes cliche after cliche that if you've seen more than five horror films in your entire life, you can sort of predict what's going to happen next. That was the problem with The Purge. Now, I remember one of the sequels was right, but to be honest, <laughs> like all bad films, I try to forget them as soon as I've seen them, and it's hard to remember exactly which one it was. I dug the second one. I think the second one was a very surprisingly good film. It had uh, Frank Grillo in it, and he's I, thought, I like Frank Grillo. I don't know what it is. 
most of his films I dig, and he was sort of the kind of heroic avenging dude in that film, and that one really worked for me. I'll agree. The rest of them were pretty average, but nowhere near my list, I'm, I'm pleased to say. I, I didn't hate the first one. <laughs> if you hate that first one, then dear God, don't watch the latest one, which came out, which is a sort of like a prequel, which talks about the first night The Purge ever happened. Boy, that oh, one is God, terrible. No, I'm going to avoid that. Yeah, definitely yeah. not going to watch that. <laughs> All right. Well, the Purge series gets a red-hot poker up the ass from Sam. <laughs> I'm going to another sequel. This is low-hanging fruit, I have to admit. But I really like the first film in this in this little series. The first one is Piranha 3D, directed by uh, Alexander, uh, Alexander <laughs> Aja, uh, the guy who did Crawl this year and a bunch of other sort of uh, hardcore horror films. And then they made a cheap, though still $5 million budget, sequel called Piranha 3 Double D, and that's the best thing in the whole film, the title. Correct, and that's also my number seven, so ah, keep talking. <laughs> it took everything that worked in the first one and then upped the ante, and the first one worked because even though ridiculous shit was happening, Arja keeps it very, very straightforward. Like it's There's no yes. winking at the camera, There's uh, other than maybe Jerry O'Connell's character, but uh, other than him, everybody's playing it pretty straight, and... The gore's great, and there's severed penises being floating past the camera, and the 3D gimmick's fun, and it's got pretty good cast. Elizabeth Shue, Ving Rhames, I think, is in the first one too. He makes yep. a return in this sequel, Minus Legs, because we thought he died in the first one. And yeah, that's, that's just one, one of yep. many stupid decisions. This one, this screenplay is by the guys who did Feast, who won that Project Greenlight second season. I think Patrick Milton, Marcus Dunstan, and another guy, Joel Sison. And it's directed by the guy who directed the Feast films, John Gulliger. It's just terrible. It's so poorly put together. Everything's a joke. Everyone's everyone's winking at the camera. Right down to <laughs> David Hasselhoff doing a really shitty cameo as himself. Oh, far out, this film was terrible. The gore in it is just awful. The CG's even worse. It just looks like made on a smell of an oily rag, though five million of them apparently. And there's not one redeeming feature that I can say about this particular film. It's all building this big, huge water park gore fest where the piranhas get into it but even that is not entertaining and stupid as fuck as people with guns try and shoot piranhas in the water it's just ugh. correct yep totally agree with everything you say doesn't it also end with um a fish growing some legs yeah i think that happens in there yeah oh <sighs> it's it's oh it's amazingly abysmal it's just yeah and it, like one of the worst sins it's sort of committed as well is it sort of took that iconic scene from a nightmare um on elm street you know where the girl's sitting in the water and the hand comes out of the water they do that sort of repeat it with a piranha coming out of the water that jumps straight down the camera and it was just like by that point you're just oh fuck off (laughs) like who cares you know who cares (sighs) yeah it's just so sad to see this is probably the start of ving rame's descent or spiral out of the hollywood eye and even david kochner kochner or cochner however you say his name you know, he's usually a pretty reliable comedic actor, and he's he's terrible. Everybody's terrible. Christopher Lloyd pops up. David Hasselhoff pops up. I think, uh, is this? No, the first one was the one which had the Richard Dreyfuss cameo at the start. So that was funny. That was clever. Uh, anyway, there we go. Piranha 3 Double D. Yeah, mate. Completely agree. I completely agree. And that's why I was my number seven. So back to you. All right. Back to me for mine. Oh, gee, okay. My number seven has a bit of a story to it. Uh, this is... Back in the days, end of 2017, I think I saw this one, about a couple of years ago, and it was around the time when I was, I did a few interviews with a few directors and the like for the podcast, and I spoke to the publicist of, of these this, film, this film's directors, who are a uh, brother combo, Michael and Peter Spearing. Uh, they're from Australia, they're actually German-born and moved to Australia, and uh, they just released Jigsaw. Now, Jigsaw's oh, not yeah. my choice, right? But the next yeah. film follow-up is, and I'd spoken to trying to get an interview for them uh, for Jigsaw and got as far as their their personal publicist who basically said no once they heard our numbers on the podcast. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, afterwards, I'm pretty glad I didn't because Jigsaw was pretty fucking average. And then Winchester, yeah. which is my number six, seven film, sorry, is so, so terrible. I'm not sure had I talked to them before I saw this film whether I would have been able to keep a straight face. Have you seen Winchester? Uh, yeah, I was tossing up between that one and Scary Movie 5 for my number 10. I was, like, debating it. It was, I, I thought it was pretty bad, but yeah, yeah, do go on, yeah. Yeah, it popped into theatres and then disappeared again, had almost no yeah. marketing. And you know a film which, when it comes out in the early part of the year, when it's a horror film, normally speaking, there are some exceptions, but they're burying it there because they know it's a piece of shit. But yet, I'm not sure how they knew this one was going to be a piece of shit because from what I understood from talking again to the publicist, they were making this film almost right up to the uh, release day. Like they, they finished the edit apparently a week or two before it appeared in theatres, which apparently was February 2nd, 2018. 
$3.5 million budget only, which I have to say, that explains some of the terrible special effects. And it did return $46 million. And I would imagine that's largely on the strength of the star of this film being Helen Mirren. Because it basically, yeah. it's a period piece set in the early 1900s where uh, she plays the daughter of the guy who created the Winchester rifle. And she believes her mansion that her father built is haunted by the ghosts of the people murdered or killed by the Winchester rifle. And so she keeps building these different rooms and whatever on to apparently keeps the ghosts at bay or some shit. I don't know. It doesn't really make any sense. And Jason Clark is hired by the board of the Winchester Rifle Company to go in there and assess whether she can still hold her controlling share or needs to be removed from the board because they think she's crazy because she goes on and on about ghosts. Of course, Jason Clark finds there are real ghosts in this particular world. And uh, yeah, that's the story. <laughs> again, once again, it's not scary. It's It's... Bad CG, bad model shots to try and convey this house, which again, this is all based on a true story. Sarah Winchester, whatever the hell, yeah, that's her name, really did do these wicked, weird build-ons to her house because she did believe it was haunted. But that's the extent of it. There is one, the thing that got it above some of the other, or below some of the other films on this list, is there's one little plot development, which I did, did catch me a little bit off guard. I didn't mind. But other than that, this is a completely forgettable, awful horror film, which... Uh, the Spearing Brothers haven't made another film since, so I guess that says a lot. Yeah, fair enough. It's yeah, fuck. I've got nothing redeemable to say about it. It is it's just it's a piece of shit. It is all right. That's that's probably a nice synopsis. Probably could have said that and moved <laughs> right along. Yeah, exactly. Number six. Now, number six for me is another film that I was sort of debating putting on my list or not because primarily it's more of an action adventure fantasy film and with horror elements. And there's a couple of them like that that I could have put on here, like I Frankenstein. Uh, but instead, I'm going to go back to 2016 when Tom Cruise was still hot as shit, looked like he could create his own <laughs> cinematic universe. And basically, the cinematic universe was all the rage. DC was, you know, having a crack at it. Marvel was successful at it. Universal came along and said, hey, we're going to start doing this with all our monsters. Here's our first one, The Mummy. And my God, what a piece of shit that fucking film was. <laughs> I, I, I mean, the plot... Pretty basically, the old Egyptian um, princess slash mummy, whatever, gets awakened from her tomb during a war that uh, Tom Cruise is like a... a oh, fuck, I'm trying to remember the plot, but I can't. He's like an army man or something like that, and then basically she unleashes hell on the on Earth. And there's nothing good about this. The yep. CGI in it sucks. Tom Cruise isn't anywhere remote, remotely likable. Uh, any of the other side characters you don't care about. Russell Crowe pops up and is supposedly Dr. Jekyll, who's, you know, Mr. Hyde as well. And... It's just, the craziest part was it was written by Christopher McQuarrie as well. He, you know, did the most recent oh, Mission Impossible. So okay. we know he's an awesome bloody screenwriter. But yet, this film just fails on so many levels that it was just, it was it was almost car crash viewing because you're watching it and you're just like, ah, oh, look at you, you idiots, investing all this money in this. But at the same time, yeah, if you've got better things to do with your life, don't watch this film. I would agree. It was it was very, very, very poor. Uh, good enough that, uh, of course, we didn't get that cinematic universe in the end because they dumped any and all of those plans. So Exactly. My number six is where I take aim at another franchise. I could have picked any of them except, weirdly, for the third one, which I dug after the first one. And I'm basically talking about every paranormal activity film ever other than the <laughs> first one and that third one. But in particular, the ghost dimension from 2015. Yeah. Oh boy, they're all they're, they all blend together or bleed together into just absolute garbage. And the only reason I watched this one, which was made for ten million, and, and again Blumhouse. There's a lot of Blumhouse on this list, but there's no denying <laughs> that Jason Blum, as a producer, has struck gold. He makes these films between so usually between about five and ten million dollars, and they always make at least forty million back, if not yeah. more like this one, eighty or ninety million if not in the case of Paranormal Activity, which actually is a good film, more like three or four hundred million, whatever it was. So he's cracked the code, he's worked it out, he is incredibly successful, more power to him. But dear God, people, stop seeing these fucking films. If you stop going to see them, he'll stop making them. Stop punishing us all. Right. So I didn't see this one at the cinema. I By that point, I had drawn the line. I'm not watching it at the cinema. I'll only get it when yeah. it comes out to download. And even then, I was offended beyond. Like We have taken what was an interesting early premise and we've stretched it so thin that any and all scares or horror or even care factor has dissipated. And that's the problem with this movie. No one gives a shit. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I skipped the sequels. I, I loved the story of the first one in that, of how it got made. You know, like the guy filmed it for like 15 grand or something, and then yep. he took it to Steven Spielberg, and then Spielberg was like, okay, we'll give you a million dollars to buy it off you. And he was like, no, 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 I want to star in it. Like, I actually want to do like the proper version of it. And, you know, the fact that it went viral and all that sort of stuff, I thought that was amazing. But yeah, I, I steer clear of the sequels. I just, like that first one was enough for me to go, there's nothing, there's nothing they can follow up this with, you know, like it's never going to be as good. So, yeah. And it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, there's a couple of cool moments in the third one, as I said, but otherwise, you know, the, the, the Latino spin-off, the marked ones, that was garbage as well. Just, oh, please, do yourself a huge favour. Never, ever bother. Yeah. Oh, and enough, by the way, enough. there's another one coming. They're talking about making another one coming out in 2021. No. Oh, fucking hell. They cannot leave well enough alone. Yeah, I mean, I've got one coming up, and I honestly could have made a top 10 worst horror films from the last 10 years of just Blumhouse films, but... Uh, yes. Yeah, no... Uh, why why are you guys doing this why money obviously but yeah <laughs> yes all uh, right anyway cool. moves me over to my number five which is a european film and it cost all of i think 15 million oh i've seen i've seen differing reports between 9 to 15 million euros to make stars matt dylan it is supposedly the horror film of all horror films it's the house that jack built <laughs> okay i didn't hate this one but i can understand why you do uh, it's it's one of those things that, like, like me and you are very similar in this way, I think. is like If we see a report of, like, oh, my God, audiences are walking out of this film. It's horrific. Oh, you know, people are, like, having heart attacks or strokes in the in the screenings or crying and all that sort of stuff. You're perked. Your interest is perked. You're like, okay, well, oh, yeah. fine. Yep. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. This is, got me. I need to see this film. And it had high expectations, high hopes. And as, as far as the rundown of the plot, it's like a sociopathic, uh, psychopathic killer, whatever. And it's basically five vignettes of him however you say it, five short stories of how he became the serial killer that he is today and the people that he murdered and all that sort of stuff. I just, I didn't get it. I, I think it might have landed for some people, but I hated it. I just found it so irritatingly painful to watch. Matt Dillon is, is fine. The rest of it just sucks. You know what I mean? I just, and there's like similar to Helen Mirren popping up in the Winchester, seeing Irma Furman pop up in this, I sort of sit there and generally feel sorry for them because these are some actresses that I'm like, I like their work. I don't want to see them in shitty films like this. What is going on here? Yeah, it just wasn't for me. Yeah, it's directed by Lars von Trier and he he's yeah. a very interesting character who clearly sets out to make certain kinds of films and disturb and disorientate viewers. And I, I liked some of it. And you're right, I, I guess that's why the Uma Thurman's of the world sign up, because he's, he's a name director, kind of a bit like uh, like a Terrence Malick, but in an art, European art house kind of way. So, you know, she's blinking, you miss it. And all these other sort of recognised people come in and out of the story. And of course, you know what happens to most of them, given that we are talking about a serial killer here. But the, the ending of the film, which is so Lars von Trier. Now, we can't just make this disturbing film like a Henry portrait of a serial killer type thing. We have to add this ridiculous over-the-top kind of Dante's Inferno type ending and I'm just like oh <laughs> yes. what a bunch of shit that's what that's where the film really did yeah. me I'd almost forgotten that part from my memory oh it was so bad it was so so bad you know I can do pretentious arty movies like I actually like some of his other films I thought Dogville was quite good I thought Antichrist you know had some merits and so did Nymphomaniac but this was the one that was just like what the fuck is this shit yeah <laughs> fair enough all right great uh, well, not great. You know what I mean. Great choice. <laughs> My number five is, again, picking on another late entry in a series of ongoing horror films. This one is, however, quite tenuous in its link. I'm talking about this year's, and this is totally on my worst of the year list, by the way. So, a bit of a spoilers for when that show comes out in short order. The Curse of La Llorona, which oh, is yes. an insidious yeah, yeah. film. Uh, sorry, no, not insidious. The Conjuring film universe. Have you seen this one? No, I've seen The Conjurings, and from what everyone's told me about the nuns and Annabelles and Lalaro and all that sort of shit, stay away from them, so that's exactly what I've done. If you thought The Nun was bad, if you thought Annabelle, the first of those <laughs> Annabelle films, was bad, I challenge you, watch The Curse of La Llorona and determine whether or not they are as bad as you thought they were. This is the most tenuous link whatsoever. There is one character who's a bit character in The Conjuring universe who pops up in a bit moment in this film, and now they're saying, oh, it's part of The Conjuring universe fucking bunch of shit so that alone annoyed the shit out of me but again it boils right down to a very simple concept if you're going to make a horror film you must disturb or, or terrify your audience one of those two if you're not doing either of those two things you are failing and this film is 90 minutes it feels like 150 minutes long because it is 90 minutes of jump scares not one of which is frightening not one and the director oh. of this michael chaves he was picked by James Wan to direct this film, like hand-picked. And James Wan, we know he can make a horror film. 
So I'm not sure what Michael Shaves has over James Wan, but clearly it's really, really juicy because there's no other way he would give the keys to the kingdom to, to such an incompetent director. Linda Cardellini is this uh, social worker in the film set back in the 70s who has to come to the aid of two kids because something tried to kill them. They all think it's the mother of these kids, but it's not. It's, of course, the, the ghost of La Llorona. And, uh, of course, her kids now become endangered. And then a priest shows up and no one cares. And pretty much everyone lives and fuck this movie. <laughs> Another one to avoid. Thank you so much, Paul. <laughs> Definitely you are welcome. Watch that shit. My number four is an incredibly late entry. I didn't Ooh. have time to go see this at the film at the movies this year due to an impending birth of my child, and basically everyone wore me off it. And I, it almost made number one. It almost Ooh. is so fresh Ooh. in my memory that it almost made number one. Now, anyone that knows me knows knows how much I love comic book movies. This is a essentially a comic book movie but it's not as original property but the whole idea behind it is what if superman was a jackass i'm talking about brightburn (laughs) i I don't know where to start it on this film i mean i expected to like it you know i heard a whole bunch of negative comments i thought nah fuck that i'm still gonna like it like what if superman was an arse what if he was a fucking jackass i don't know where to start on this film Stupid decisions made by stupid characters, a child actor who probably shouldn't be acting. I don't want to dump on Elizabeth Banks, given how shit Charlie's Angels is doing at the moment, and she's got enough problems of her own. Yeah. She and David Denham aren't really the, the most believable actors or actresses in this movie. I don't know where to start. I Maybe I was just disappointed. Maybe the whole idea, the similar to The Purge, great idea, absolutely stunningly shit execution. I'm going to defend this a little bit. I kind of had fun really? with it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I had no expectations. I knew what it was going to be. It delivered on those expectations insofar as, like, it's not smart viewing, let's face it, but the gory yeah. kills and the idea, you know, what if uh, Superman was, as you say, an asshole? Uh, I kind of dug that. And look, it's nothing that I would rave about. Certainly nowhere near my top 10 of the year list or anything like that. But uh, I, I thought, I walked out of there after 90 minutes and went, yeah, that was all right. So take that for what you will. <laughs> fair enough it's just for me i just yeah i don't know where to start really i just like i'll give it to it in that yeah you're right like some of the parts where he's flying around the building and all that sort of stuff killing people great but then when you realize just exactly how super powered he is there's a bit at the end where it looks like shit might not go right for him or you know the the good guys might win sort of thing and you're watching it and you're like there's no fucking way that this would possibly she'd be able to possibly get from point a to point b in that amount of time without him finding her and fucking her up there's just there's yeah, it just defies expectations at some point. Yeah, yeah, yep. I guess it's not. I would agree. It's not the most realistic of films. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Poor, poor old Brightburn gets a right bollocking from Sam, but uh, yep. probably not as hard a bollocking as this film's going to get from me. My number four is No Betting Around the Bush. Insidious, the last key. Yeah, I did not finish. Another did not finish. Yep. Well done. You saved yourself a lot of pain and a little bit of time because <laughs> this is unbelievably. Follow along here. If you're familiar with the Insidious series, you know that character of Lynch, played by Lynch, the spiritual medium who came to aid uh, the family and, and find the kid in the first one. She dies at the end of the first one. Mm. Yet here we are, three fucking films later, and it's still about her. This one is a prequel, <laughs> and it's it's how she came to know the thing that was going to kill her and whatever else, and fills in her backstory. I don't care. No one cares. Like Lynch, she tries hard. <laughs> She's a she can be a very good actor, but uh, the shtick between her and her sidekicks Lee Winnell again and Angus Sampson, you know, two Aussie guys who are slumming it. Uh, they're so not funny and so again so not scary. All it's got is a few jump scares which do nothing. But yet, what do I know? Because for a ten million dollar film, this Adam Robitel directed again, Jason Blum produced. <laughs> box office, <laughs> I thought, or complete dud, was a box office hit, made $168 million. So, February release, piece of shit, actually January release, piece of shit from the start of last year, Insidious Last Key, please, no more of these films. Unless James Wan or Lee Wanell are going to steer it themselves, and even Lee Wanell did number three, and that was fucking awful too. So, uh, yeah, there you go. I, I got nothing more to say about it. It sucks. Yeah, as I said, massive did not finish for me. I think I may be 25, 30 minutes into it, and I was like, oh, come on, man, you've got better things to do with your time than this. Yep, you, you did very, very well, because it never got any better, I can guarantee you. Talking about franchises that took a massive nosedive, uh, this one for me was, 
like back when the original film came out, it's probably one of my most memorable films from the last 20 years. You know, had one of the greatest plot twists. People are going to work it out pretty soon, but I'm just going to try and set it up a little bit. Go for it. Had an amazing plot twist at the end, cost nothing to make. The second film, yeah, had a little bit of merit. The third film, okay, I think this has run its course. The fourth film, yes, it has. Fifth film, yes, it totally (laughs) has. Sixth film, yes, it totally fucking has. Seventh film, hey, what if we put it in 3D? No, you guys are done. Leave the franchise alone. Fuck it, they came back and made Jigsaw anyway. I'm talking, of course, about the Saw franchise and Saw 3D. I think it came out in 2010 or something like that, 2011 maybe. Literally had run its course, and there was no reason to be making this anymore. None of the characters were any were interesting at all. None of the twists, none of the traps were you know all that exciting or thrilling. We'd seen it all before. Uh, all the deaths seemed just superfluous to the entire story of the of the movie there was nothing re- redeemable about us the worst part about it was poor old wesley from princess bride comes back for this film there's a small cameo or whatever at the end and it's just completely wasted it, it pains me to see a franchise <laughs> that i loved so much at the start just take such a monumental fucking nosedive now you mentioned jigsaw i thought jigsaw was okay it's completely unnecessary and unneeded totally but at least okay this film fucking abysmal yeah, I, I can't defend it. I don't mind this film, but it, but it's really? it's garbage. Yeah, it's garbage. And I'll tell you why, because I thought five and six were so fucking horrible. I expected yes, seven yeah. to be as bad and it was slightly better. So, and also I got it when I had, you know, 3D TV and, and the 3D effects aren't all terrible in it. So I guess it got a little bit of uh, leeway in, <laughs> from me for that. But it, it, you're right. This franchise became ridiculous. And Jigsaw, did you ever see that one? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Thought it was okay. Yeah, yeah, it's not great either. It, it has its moments and and completely stupid in the way it sort of it finishes. But at least there was a couple of good kills. And I got that's the defense I have for the number seven as well. There's a couple of good kills, as dumb as it is. I, I wouldn't even go that far. I just I hated this film. It was, Fair enough. It must do if it's up this high. It was one of those points where I'm like, why am I still doing this to myself? What were you expecting? You're an idiot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> There is a lot of that. A lot of that now. We're getting to this part of this where you really do hate yourself for having bit and and seen this film, and it's yes. absolutely true for my number three. And here's a shock: it's a Blumhouse film. <laughs> it's from the start of last year. It's called Truth or Dare. Now I wrote my review for this, which I'm just going to basically read because I think this I've worked out the formula now. So Blumhouse checklist: slightly higher than low budget. Check. This was made for three point five million dollars. Idiotic premise. Check. This is a film where basically a bunch of teens get roped into a truth or dare game where if you don't play, you get killed by some (laughs) mysterious ghostly force. Right? If that's not stupid enough for you, late teens is the main character's check. Doing stupid late teens things and then dying for it in really shitty, kind of not at all entertaining ways. All said teens have one character trait. Check. There's stupid decision-making, complete and utterly lacking in scares. There's nothing frightening about this. The most frightening thing about this film is that it believes putting a Snapchat filter of, you know, evil eyes and elongating faces into kind of some (laughs) feral demon will be scary. That's big check. Laughably bad resolution. So how do we get through this? Yep, check. Piss poor acting, directing, editing, check. And yet everybody, not everybody, a bunch of people still pay to see it in the theaters, thereby ensuring we'll get another one of these in six to 12 months. On a $3.5 million budget, this film made $95 million. Fucking hell. That's nuts. It's so crazy, and it is my number two. Hey! <laughs> yeah, I mean... I've, I've it, said a bit. You go, please. Well, no, I mean, I completely agree with everything you said. It's so stupid. Like, it's at the point, like, I mean, here's the thing. Like, like we've mentioned him a couple of times with Jason Blum and the Blumhouse pictures and all that sort of stuff. I, I literally stuck to this one because I l- could have filled this list with 10 of his films. You know, like the Lazarus effect is just the other one that springs to mind. I was tossing up between those two as to which one's the most stupid to put on here. Mercifully, <laughs> Lazarus effect's slightly shorter than this one. I think it's got a runtime <laughs> of 80 minutes and this one manages to make it the full 90. I, I don't even know where to start. It's just easily one of the worst films I've ever seen. It is. It is. I watched this film, my jaw gradually becoming more and more agape but just like <laughs> this is what is now passing for ghost haunting entertainment but no just no people stop it stop going to see this and i promise you they'll stop making them <laughs> the the funniest part about this was it was one of those films that i saw people online just going oh my god i can't believe how scary it was <laughs> oh, watched no. i watched really? it going fuck i need to start unfollowing some people <laughs> this is ridiculous wow that does shock and disturb me i have to say that's a uh, yeah probably paid chills probably paid chills yeah yeah you do wonder about those kind of things but nice to know we're on the same page all right that was my three your two 
My number two is, oh, is it also, a, is this also a Blumhouse film? Yes, it is. <laughs> this is directed by, uh, this one I didn't see at theaters and, and I wasn't sure it did make it, but it made 11 million at the box office apparently. So it might've had a blink and you miss it run. So it made our criteria. Its budget was only 4 million. It's from uh, the guy who made Wolf Creek. Right, Just let that uh, sink into your head. He co-wrote <laughs> it and directed this film called The Darkness. And it stars Haven't seen it. Yeah. Kevin Bacon and Rada Mitchell. This film is offensive. It's just flat out offensive from the get-go because its depiction of uh, of autism, which is what the main character's kid has in the film, is offensive on its own. Oh, and fucking hell. It's completely boring and unfrightening. So they go to somewhere in the Grand Canyon. He finds a Native American kind of thing and it drags some curse back to the house. And these characters, if I can call them that, of Kevin Bacon and, and Rada Mitchell, they are the most uninformed and stupidest people in the world if they're trying to deal with a child on the spectrum. Like They've clearly never looked at anything on how to, to deal with these things. And every decision made by this character is inspired frustration or laughter, bewilderment or straight up anger from me. I could not... There wasn't a relatable moment in this film, let alone a relatable character. And the fact it came from Wolf Creek director Greg McLean, just, who's an Aussie, you know, shame, Greg, shame. Uh, <laughs> just steer away from this. It's like this piece of shit poltergeist kind of update for 2016 it is awful and universally reviled the darkness is my number two fair enough did not make my list have not seen it no plans to i've um, i saw that on a top 10 worst horror list at some point in the last couple of years was like no there's no way in how i'm gonna watch that good decision <laughs> cool. all right do you want to give us a recap and then reveal your number one set Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. So coming at number 10 was Scary Movie 5. Coming in at 9 was The Bad Batch. Coming in at 8 was The Purge. Coming in at 7, Piranha 3D. Number 6, The Mummy. Number 5, The House That Jack Built. 4, Brightburn. 3, Saw 3D. Number 2 was True For Dear. And number 1, well, I'm going to paint a little story before we get into what my number 1 is. Imagine this, well, Paul, you're probably going to cotton on as to what the movie is pretty quickly, okay. but imagine this, you're J.J. Abrams, you've come off the success of The Force Awakens, so you can pretty much do whatever you want, so you decide to produce a horror film, a sci-fi horror film, you chuck $40 million at it, you make the horror film, and then you realise the film's shit, and in order for you to release the film to the cinematic audience, you'd have to spend another 10 or $20 million on that film, and really, what's the point? No one's going to see it. Everyone's going to hate the film. What are you going to do with it? Hey, here's an idea. You ring up Netflix. Hey, Netflix, you want to buy a film? Sweet. Yeah, sure. Okay. How much? $50 million. Sweet. You've done it. Oh, but by the way, we need you to film a little scene which ties it to another existing uh, franchise uh, okay. just for the pure fucking sake of it. Sure. Okay. We can do that. And then just rename the film. Cool. Done. What do you call that? The Cloverfield Paradox. One of the worst fucking films (laughs) I have ever seen in my entire fucking life. And the worst part about it was, I didn't know all of that shit. All I knew is New Zealand has a public holiday on the same day as the Super Bowl. And while (laughs) everyone was fucking tweeting about the Super Bowl, someone tweeted out, holy shit, Netflix is going to release the next fucking Cloverfield movie after the Super Bowl. And I I was fucking stoked. I've got the day off, got nothing to fucking do. This is amazing. This is going to be great. First Cloverfield movie, yeah, pretty good. Found footage, horror, whatever, monster film, yep. cool, yep. awesome. Second film, loved it. Thought it was fucking great. Third film, where to start? Holy shit, this movie fucking sucks. <laughs> it does, it does. It's a good choice. I like it. Thank you. I don't even know where to start about it. Space crew goes off into space, shit happens, all fucking realities turn to shit, everyone goes fucking weird, they start killing, I don't fucking know. I don't fucking know. One of the worst films I've ever seen. Sucks that they've got a couple of really bona fide decent actors in it. Daniel Bruhl's in it, Elizabeth Debicki's in it. You've got some actual proper stars. Fucking sucks. I need to calm down or I'm going to start punching things. <laughs> I was going to say, don't, don't blow a fuffa valve there, Sam. <laughs> probably the reason it didn't make my list is because I probably more a sci-fi than a horror for me, but absolutely it, it qualifies. But the genius slash worst part about it was that they did this drop, really sudden drop during the Super Bowl. And so I was at work because we don't get a public holiday for the Super Bowl here unless it falls on Australia Day. And I'm like, oh, that's really exciting. Went home like, hey, we can watch this tonight. It's out now. Like I saw a trailer for it at midday and I can watch this film tonight at eight o'clock. That's, I think that's genius marketing. Well, apparently it was all because the film sucked so many balls. They realized it's the only way people would watch it and they could justify having spent, as you say, $50 million on it. So yeah, that that hurt. Sitting there watching, I'm like, oh, this is bad. Oh, this is really, really bad. <laughs> it was. And just to clear things up for the American listeners, we don't have a public holiday because of the American Super Bowl. <laughs> um, the 6th of February is a New Zealand public holiday, which we pretty much all get the day off. And typically they Monday, Monday it, and that typically falls on the same day as Super Bowl. So 
Gotcha. No, America, we're not trying to be like that much like you, but yeah. It's Promise. like back to the film. <laughs> oh, fuck. It was so bad. It was just so bad. To the point that I... It's like I've never been one of those people to get online and start fucking signing fan petitions to remake Game of Thrones or you know any all that sort of shit. But I this was at that point where I'm like, you need to take the Cloverfield name off this and just call it sci-fi shit, soft parrot, fucking whatever. Just call it something else. Yeah, it wasn't Overlord meant to be the next para, uh, Cloverfield film at one point, and so I mean, how much better was that? Oh, that would have been so good. That's probably up there. That and like Upgrade are some of my two most underrated films or underappreciated films from the last 10 years. But yeah, yeah. Oh, that would have been better. Yeah, so that was some interesting decision making that they that they did there. But okay, yeah, great great number one. Well worth a choice. It only means though that my number one is not on your list and I can only assume it's one of those ones you DNF'd or just steer clear <laughs> of because of how horrible yeah. it is. But before we get there, my 10 through 2 then. Number 10, Rings from 2017. Number 9, The Bye Bye Man. Eight, Piranha 3, Double D. Seven, Winchester. Six, Paranormal Activity, take your pick, but let's just go with the Ghost Dimension. Five, The Curse of La Llorona. Eight, Insidious, The Last Key. Sorry, I said eight? Sorry, four, <laughs> the Insidious, The Last Key. Good one, Paul. Uh, three, Truth or Dare. Two, The Darkness. And my number one, it is made for the smell of an oily rag. It was made for only $100,000. So maybe I should give it a little bit more credit, but it did make $43 million. You guessed it. It's a Blumhouse film. <laughs> it is the single worst theatrically released film I've had the misfortune of seeing since I began the podcast. Without doubt. Uh, yes, without doubt. At the cinema, at least. I've seen worse, but at home. But this one, I went to the cinema. I went with my good mate, who's a horror-loving fan as well. And we sat and watched this. And we did so on the strength of a pretty good trailer, which shows this looming, this girl crying sitting in front of like a the end of a staircase type thing leaning against the top of it and then from out of the landing behind her out of the pitch black looms this really slowly moving shape and I'm like oh that's creepy that looks really cool that was it that was the only good moment of the film and they, they showcased it in the trailer so well done for the marketing to the marketing company the film is The Gallows from 2015 no have not seen that one I'd almost like to challenge you Sam to sit there and watch this film which is as bad in every found footage trope as you can imagine. So, <laughs> stupid idea to be filming, which is never justified. Check. You know, shaky cam so you can't see anything when anything scary happens. Check. You know, and anytime it is kind of shown, does it start to sort of pixelate slash distort? Check. Like, unlikable fuckwit characters doing stupid <laughs> fucking things for no reason whatsoever. The plot does not, or the script is not well enough established. All of these things and more. And it is insanely not scary. It's only about 78 minutes long. Fuck, it sucks. 78 minutes? How does it even qualify? Oh, my God. The, the best friend is the most annoying character in the history of the universe. All, all these kind of moments and just stupidity. The worst thing is, because it made $43 million off a $100,000 budget, Bombhouse then turned around and gave these kids or young men who made this film 3 or $4 million to make a sequel, which is called The Gallows Act 2. And that's basically doing the rounds now in magic territory, if I can put it that way. I watched it, and it was probably not as bad as this one, but only because my oh. expectations were through the floor. But I wanted to see what they could do. It's still fucking stupid. At least it's not a found footage film anymore, uh, and you can actually see what's going on. That's the, the entire improvement that the second one makes. Still not scary. Still dumb as fuck. Uh, yeah. yeah, there we go. And it basically follows a, a, a kid was killed doing a high school play, hung accidentally, uh, hence the gallows, and he comes back from the dead to dispense asphyxiatory justice to kids that wander into his world. <laughs> I'm out of steam. I can't even talk about it anymore. It's fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, say no more, man. I'm definitely going to add that to the list and watch it just out of pure, I don't know, curiosity. <laughs> yeah, morbid curiosity. And as I said, that's that's uh, our lot as horror film fans. Did you have any honorable mentions, Sam, then, to wrap it up today? Oh, I had a couple. Uh, the uh, well, Some of these, again, like you know you're not going to get any goodness out of them, so when it's not good, you're just like, oh, yeah, I expected that. Like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Yeah, um, yep. Texas Chainsaw 3D. I remember that just being like... Yeah, that was terrible. The plot twist was the main girl was actually related to the yep. Liverface family and <laughs> teamed up with him at the end to start killing yeah. people. I was like, what? <laughs> 
and like and he worked that out like Leatherface worked it out i mean there's a couple of films like that and i've got to give another special mention to one of my friends i'm not going to mention them by name but they know who the fuck they are <laughs> messaged me and said you should check out this film called final girl it's a horror film i think you'd like oh. it it's really funny it's quite good and i was like okay so i download uh, I, I streamed legally the film <laughs> final girl go. And starring Abigail Breslin, it's got the weird dude Weasley, whatever, out of. Um, oh, yeah, this is the terrible one. Yep, good. Yeah, good. American. Yeah, exactly. It is the terrible one. And I watched it and just raged at the dude. Like I was like, I was expecting something to be good about it. Like what the fuck? And he was like, Oh yeah, yeah. You didn't like like Melon Ackerman and um that other. And I was like, What the fuck? She's not in it. Yeah, um, you yeah. saw the final girls. <laughs> yes, yes, I saw a completely the wrong movie. Uh, a film from I can't remember what it was like 2016 or 2017 apparently was made for about 9 or 10 million very tempted to put it on my list it grossed about $30,000 worldwide and I can see why it's so bad but yeah, yep. yeah those are my honourable mentions as well as the other ones obviously that you've spoken about that I DNF'd yeah yeah the only other ones I've we haven't talked about today Slender Man from last year was pretty awful oh, yes. Yeah, the pyramid, which was this weird fucking uh, sphinx, like cats running around the pyramid, killing people. Terrible CG ones. Annabelle, I did mention that briefly. And there's really terrible supernatural PG thirteen horror film set in India called The Other Side of the Door. Ugh, that was crap as well. <laughs> so there we are. The worst of the decade has been named and shamed. Thank you, Sam, so much for joining me today to, to relive a lot of pain in our lives and share that as a warning to our listening audience. Oh, no problem, man. I, honestly, it's like I've gone and had a colonic or whatever. I've completely emptied myself of <laughs> shit. I feel great. I feel like bright and cheerful. I've got it all out. This is great. Yeah, cathartic in a way, which is good because I'm off to do a best of the decade list later today <laughs> with Wayne for the main show. So hopefully yep. now I'll, I'll be in the appropriate state of mind. But uh, for our listeners who haven't listened, uh, you've talked about the show, but how do people find you and where can they go? Yeah, just search out Movie Reviews in, in on any of your favourite podcast apps and you'll be able to find us. We're on Twitter at that username as well, Movie Reviews in. Uh, Facebook as well, Movie Reviews in 20Qs. Just, um, yeah, I'm sure you put a little note down below. But yeah, search us out. Sure We've got a... Couple of episodes coming out. Well, I'm probably going to release this one and the other one that we did is a bit of a back to back in December for some of our listeners, so they can check out your awesome show as well, Paul. And then, uh, nice. yeah, we're doing a Christmas special on the holiday. We are doing probably going to do the Star Wars film, so we're making a bit of a small return. And we're also similar to this. We're going to do 20 questions from the last 10 years, so we're going to basically say, you know, what was your favorite action movie, horror movie, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, as well as like shit on some other films like we've done this time round. So yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Sounds good. It'd be good to have you back a bit more regularly and, and hopefully, you know, as daughter ages, you can get back into it on a on a semi-regular basis, which would be good for all the fans of the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll make a comeback soon. For those that don't know, we've recently had a daughter and we're also moving into New Zealand summer and most New Zealanders spend 99% of their time outside getting bloody sun cancer. So, yeah. <laughs> so, it's Fair pretty enough. hard to sit in a garage and with no air conditioning and talk about movies when you'd much rather be outside getting drunk as shit. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope you can get a couple of beers into you to, to wrap up the weekend. Thanks so much for joining me today, Sam. And of course, if you're listening to the show, you know where to find us. Uh, hit us up on the Countdown PC if you want to leave feedback on this ep- episode or feedback on any topic that we have coming up on the show. Uh, likewise, Facebook listening community link is in the show notes is where we do a lot of interacting with the listener base. So get involved there. And all right, that is it from me today. Thank you, Sam, so much for joining us. My name is Paul. And my name is Sam. And we will not play the soundboard now because that's at Wayne's house. Cheers. (laughs) Damn. What a shame. 